pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Well, last summer, my family and I were making a trip to Memphis, Tennessee, which is about a seven-hour drive from our home in Grayson, uh, with two small kids, maybe a nine-hour drive. And about 15 minutes into our trip, we stopped for gas on Sugarloaf Parkway uh, before we even arrived to the interstate. And do you know what my son from the back seat says? 15 minutes in, he says, are we there yet? And my reaction was, this is going to be a long seven, eight, or nine, or however many hours it is, and it was. Now, the situation may be different, but I bet you can actually relate to my son, Graham. I know I can. I know there are seasons and times in my life when I wonder, are we there yet? How many times over the course of the last year have you thought in weariness during this pandemic is this over yet? Or maybe in the midst of a hard family situation, you say wearily, can we just move past this? Or in a season like what St. John of the Cross calls a dark night of the soul, you say in weary desperation to God, how long, O oh Lord? We know what it's like to grow weary. Maybe some of you are feeling weary this morning. During this season of Lent, we're in the midst of a sermon series called Walking with Jesus Through Holy Week, where we're zooming in on the week leading up to the crucifixion. So today, this morning, we arrive at Mark chapter 13, where Jesus is giving his disciples warnings and instructions for them to cling to in the upcoming times of weariness, because Jesus knew what was coming. He knew how hard, how tiring, how painful, how difficult the upcoming days, weeks, months, and years would be for his disciples. He knows that they would grow weary, and in their weariness that they would face all sorts of different threats. And Jesus knows, too, how hard the upcoming centuries would be for his people, the church, for us. He knows that we grow weary too. And he knows the sorts of threats that we encounter in our weariness. So here in Mark chapter 13, we have these warnings from Jesus that are, that are actually kind and gracious because they're warnings and instructions that we can cling to in our moments and times of weariness. So here's how I want to unpack what Jesus is saying here in Mark chapter 13 this morning. Like I said, in, in our particular season of weariness, there are all sorts of different threats that we face. And I want to point out this morning three. Three threats that we face. And like I said, Jesus anticipates weariness in this passage. So what sort of guidance, what sort of instruction does Jesus have to speak to us uh, as we encounter these particular threats? So first, to unpack this first threat, I have to give you a behind-the-scenes look at some of my weaker moments in life. So I've already mentioned uh, our six-year-old son named Graham. We also have a three-year-old daughter named Jude. And so with two pretty wild and energetic young kids running around our home, things can get pretty 
chaotic. Things can often feel pretty out of control. And my wife has graciously pointed out to me something that I do in my high-stress moments when things feel especially out of control. Do you know what I do? I clean. I clean. I sort of go into a cleaning fit, and there's actually a term for this. This is actually a real thing, and it's called rage cleaning. Does anybody, you don't have to raise your hand, but does anybody else here find yourself rage cleaning? Okay, some people are raising their hands. I'm glad to be in this with you, my fellow rage cleaners. A friend, I was, I was talking with a friend about this recently, um, who's also a dad to several young kids, and he's also a rage cleaner. He was relating with me on this, and, and he wisely pointed out that we slip into rage cleaning because in moments when things feel so out of control, this gives us something that we feel like we can control, right? Because we humans, we like to feel like we're in control. But control is an illusion. Control isn't something that we can actually have. And in our moments of weariness, we're especially tempted to slip into, to grasp for control, and then find ourselves in this sort of hypervigilant existence where we're living out of sync, disconnected from Jesus. We step outside of, we step beyond our role and capacity as humans who are not in control and try to usurp the authority of God who is in control. And, and this is what Jesus is speaking to in, in verse 32. Look with me in your bulletin in our gospel reading from Mark chapter 13. This threat that we face of wanting to grasp for control, what does Jesus have to say to that. In verse 32, he says, Concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Now, what's this day? What's this hour that Jesus is talking about? Well, a few verses earlier than what we've read this morning, in verse 26, Jesus says that there will come a day when we will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and great glory. So, in the Mark chapter 13 discourse, the longer discourse, in, in context, Jesus is teaching his disciples about things that are yet to come. And he's teaching them that one day I'll be gone from your midst, but hold on to hope because I will return. Things will be difficult. Things will be hard. You'll grow weary, but I'll come back with great power and great glory. So the first threat is that in the midst of waiting, we grasp for control, especially in seasons of weariness, and we slip into a hypervigilant mode of existing that's out of sync with Jesus. So, instead of grasping for control, let us accept our place as humans, what we do not know. Let us be okay with that, and let us trust God. The second threat I'll describe by using a term that was originally used in the military, but has recently also been picked up by, by businesses and nonprofits and other sorts of organizations, a term called mission creep. Mission creep. Mission creep is, is a slow and gradual shift in objectives from the original mission, slowly going off course, so that the original mission, the original purpose, eventually gets lost, and maybe it's never even accomplished altogether. Mission creep happens when an organization makes small and subtle and incremental shifts over time, 
even if it's taking on good and admirable things so that the organization gets distracted from its original purpose, its original mission, mission creep. Unfortunately, local churches are susceptible to mission creep as well. In Memphis, I helped plant a church, and I remember fondly those, those early days of being a part of this church plant and the purpose and the passion and the camaraderie that we all shared as we went about trying to accomplish the mission that we felt called to from God. But then over time, as we settled in as an established church, we, we lost sight of that. Mission creep was happening. Now, part of that is, is a good and healthy part of being a local church, the sort of healthy life cycle of being a church, moving from church plant that's unstable and rocky to being an established, stable church. But that particular church, especially as I look back on my experience in seasons of weariness, mission creep happened, and we lost sight of the mission, the purpose that God had given us. So church, we are called clearly by our Lord Jesus. He's commissioned us to make disciples of all nations. To use the specific language that we use here at Holy Cross in our mission statement, everything we do is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. So church, may we not get caught up in secondary and tertiary and minor issues that distract us from the mission and purpose that God has given us. Especially in seasons of weariness, like what we're experiencing right now, may we not get distracted by minor issues, tertiary issues like worship preferences or masks. May these things not distract us from what God is calling us to do. What does Jesus have to say to this threat here in Mark chapter 13? Look at verse 34 with me. Jesus, as he often does, he, he tells a, a parable to illustrate his point. And this is what he says in verse 34. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his own work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. So notice something important that's sort of embedded there in this parable. The man goes away on a journey, and when he leaves, he puts his servants in charge, and he gives them instructions. He gives them work to do. He gives specific instructions to the doorkeeper. Stay awake, the master says. So how do we keep mission creep from happening? We stay laser-focused on our master's words to us. Our master has also spoken words, instructions to us. So let us immerse ourselves in Scripture and not lose sight of who God is and what he's calling us to, the mission, the purpose that he has given us. So the second threat is mission creep. And the antidote for mission creep, we avoided this threat by keeping before us our master, our Lord's words, immersing ourselves in Scripture. And the third threat is, is this. Jesus says over and over, stay awake, stay awake, stay awake. So the third threat is, is falling asleep. Falling asleep. Most people, of course, we don't, we don't fall asleep in an instant, unless you're a very gifted sleeper. Uh, most of us, we, we sort of drift off to sleep at night. Now, what do I mean by falling asleep here in, in context? I mean disconnected from God. Disconnected from God's people, the church. And just like falling asleep in your bed at night, this doesn't happen in an instant, but you sort of drift over time. 
And one day you look up and see, I am completely disconnected from God. I'm completely disconnected from His church. You look up and find yourself in this sort of deep slumber. You've fallen asleep. And I'm worried, I fear that in this current season of weariness, many faithful followers of Jesus are falling asleep. And Jesus commands us here to stay awake. Stay awake. So how do you stay awake? And what do you do if that's you? If you look up and say, wow, I am in a deep slumber. Or you look up and say, wow, I am drifting off to sleep. What do you do? Well, I would say this. I've used the words of a 19th century hymn called, O Weary Wanderer, Come. Listen to these words. O weary wanderer, come home. Thy Savior bids thee come. Thou long in sin didst love to roam, yet still he calls thee come. Our Savior Jesus knows what it is to be weary. As we zoom in on Holy Week, the cross is ever before us, looming in the distance. And Jesus took on ultimate weariness. Weariness is, is too light of a word to describe what Jesus endured on the cross for us. Jesus took on weariness so that he can welcome us, so that he can embrace us, so that he can invite us. Come, weary wanderers. Listen to our Savior's words in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me. The invitation, you're invited. Come to me, Jesus says, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So stay awake. Don't fall asleep. That's the third threat. Stay awake. Run to Jesus who welcomes us weary wanderers home. I want to close with the story of a, a, another hymn written by the great Anglican hymn writer Isaac Watts. A hymn called, O God, Our Help in Ages Past. Listen to these words that Isaac Watts penned centuries ago. O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast and our eternal home. In the midst of the weariness that we've all been enduring and experiencing over the last year, these words are sweetly comforting to me. That we can remember, we can look back, and we can know that God has been our help in ages past. And God is our hope for years to come. That God, no matter what we're enduring, is our shelter from the stormy blast in our eternal home. This hymn, O God, Our Help in Ages Past, was the last hymn sung at a church service on April 14, 1912. That church service happened aboard the Titanic the morning before it collided with an iceberg and sank. So just before tremendous loss of human life, significant, unimaginable sadness and suffering, God's people aboard the Titanic were joyfully singing these words, O oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. And just before our Lord endured the cross, just before he gave up his own life, Jesus himself was encouraging his followers with these words, stay awake, things are going to be hard, things will be tough, you'll grow weary, but stay Awake. No matter what, I'll be with you. So may you, may we heed this warning from Jesus. 
No matter what sort of weariness we're walking through, may we watchfully stay awake. May we uh, listen to Jesus' invitation to come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.